Palm Sunday, as Jeremy said before, it's uh, good to see so many people out this morning. And it's been a great weekend too, eh? With the beautiful weather, we're just excited to be with you in church this morning and uh, share a little bit in God's Word. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now and we're going to receive this morning's offering. Just another opportunity for us to continue to worship. It's uh, Giving is, is, is our chance to respond uh, in worship in, in that way. So if you're not a regular attender, please feel no obligation to give. This is just part of our worship to the Lord. So go ahead and receive that this morning, guys. Only one announcement, one quick announcement that we have is that uh, a correction from last week uh, on the Good Friday and Easter Sunday announcements. Pastor Doug has been away for a couple of weeks at the Mississauga campus, and he came back on Tuesday, and he said, wouldn't it be great if we all met together as one church, all the, the all three campuses together on Sunday morning? And we looked at him and said, well, we just announced everybody that we're going to have the Spanish service, we're going to have a service out here, and and going to have service in uh, all three campuses we're meeting individually. He said, no, I really think it would be a great idea if all three campuses got together on Good Friday in the morning. So we said, I think that's a great idea too, Pastor. And so on Friday morning, we're not going to have a service here. We're, we're going to all join together. And myself and Pastor Doug and Pastor Irvis are the leader of our Spanish campus. We'll be leading the service. So uh, you won't want to miss that. It is at 9.15 and 11.15 on Sunday, on Friday morning. Uh, that's in Mississauga at uh, the Mississauga campus. So please make plans to join us for that. But then Easter Sunday morning, we will be right back here and at, at 10.15 for our service. And we're excited to have our first, uh, I guess, no, we had an Easter service here in this building last year too. But uh, excited to join together for Easter Sunday morning. So love to have you. There's a great event for kids going on. So if you do have kids um, that, that uh, maybe wouldn't nece- necessarily always come to church, it'd be a great invite out for them on Friday morning, and then we're going to have a special breakfast here for them as well on Sunday morning. So great events happening next weekend. We're on week three of, and our, our final week of our series, Updates Available, and uh, we looked at last week, Last week, we looked at families and how we learned to submit to each other as families and how um, fathers don't exasperate your children and children obey your parents. We had some fun with that. And the week before, we looked at, at our vows and our relationships in terms of marriage and leading towards marriage. And our third update that we have available on there is relationships. And that's really, we're going to look at our relationships in the workplace and in the work world. How awkward would it be if I got everybody to stand up right now and we said okay just start telling each other your current salary and we're going to start over here and the person who makes the largest sum of money will stand there and then just so forth all the way down should we do that now everybody no (laughs) Rashida says no she just started working she knows she's going to be somewhere over here she doesn't want she doesn't want to be waiting there Chantel's ready for yeah get up there right at the end she hasn't even started she's just finishing school you got minimum wage all right really yeah (laughs) So Chantel would definitely be way over here the first day. That's where you get the big bucks, right? That'd be awkward, wouldn't it? (laughs) If we said, line up, everybody, just start disclosing what your income is. Why is that? Why, Why are we so nervous about that? I think some of it comes with that we tie a lot of our personal value to how much we make, our, our, our income, or what we do. The Sunshine List came out. Do, do you know what the Sunshine List is? Sunshine List, if you don't know, it's, it's public servants in Ontario who are making more than $100,000. And uh, it was released last month. So 
those people's salaries are disclosed. So I went on and thought, I'm going to have a little fun and see how many of my friends and people that I know I can find on the sunshine list. And I found a number of people. And I even searched some people in the church. And I'm not going to tell you if I did or if I found you on there. But, but, uh, but I went on and it publishes the people's salaries over $100,000. And it's in, in people working for the municipalities and police and in politics and in education and in healthcare. And we found Amanda's principal on there. And we found all kinds of people on, on, um, on this sunshine list. The American CEO rankings came out, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, and they showed which CEO was making the top uh, and this was in millions of dollars, of course. This was in the 100000 mark. But um, did you know that IBM CEO, Virginia Romney, she makes three times the amount of what Apple CEO makes? She makes three times as much. IBM is killing Apple when, when it comes to CEOs. But Chipotle, you know the burrito place? That was more than two times of what Romney and Timothy Cook made combined together. So the burrito business is doing better than, uh, than, than the iPhone business, apparently. There was uh, $4.5 million for Cook of, of Apple and 13 for uh, Romney and then 25 for the Chipotle's executive. But nobody touches Disney, right? The, the Disney exec, they're number one by far, so those Mickey dollars are still coming in. It's good to see that. Uh, money represents power in our day and age, right? And when we look at the third phase of the relationships that Paul addresses in in Ephesians chapter 6, he's talking slaves and masters. Now, this isn't necessarily a relationship that we experience on a daily basis in Canada, but we do have a lot of tension that we deal with constantly in our work relationships. You're graduate, you you graduate post-secondary school. See, Chantel's right in this boat. And you, you graduate, and you were trained to do a job that nobody seems to want to hire you to do. <laughs> you come out with the... We have students coming out of post-secondary all the time with degrees that don't really lead to anything. And if, even if there are jobs that they're trained for, no one wants to really hire them. And when they finally do get hired with the right company, it's the wrong job. But they feel that as long as I'm in the right field... At least I'm closer to the job that I actually want. And we have trained teachers who are working as after-school workers. And we have people with degrees in music and they're selling CDs. And we have people going through police and they're, they're working in security. And once the big day comes, you get hired. And then the salary is actually only half the salary what everybody else who's doing the same job as you is making because you're a temporary position or, or, you're, the, or, or you're, you're in like the training position or you just don't have the years of experience. And it seems to you that you're working harder than your boss is and you're working harder than your colleagues are and it took so long just to get there and you're piled in debt from years of going to school and you're piled in debt from working bad jobs and you're still in this role that you're not even feeling is the right role for you. Talk about a recipe for tension at work. (laughs) Debt, wrong job, underpaid, overworked. Now, be a good employee and smile and come in tomorrow, right? <laughs> Monday morning. That's the tension that we're going into all of our jobs with. Now, now, Paul, he's not really writing this letter, truthfully, he's not writing this letter to underpaid, overworked employees. He's writing it to a church that's filled with slaves and masters. So on one side of the room, he's writing to people who are slave owners in the church. And they have wealth and they have... They have um, predominance in their society. And he's saying, 
Masters, here's how you're to treat the slaves whom you own as people and don't pay. (laughs) Now, church, this is how you should get together. This is what Paul's writing to. Talk about a recipe for tension. People that own you, (laughs) this is how you're to be together as a church. Now, we do need to know that it was the accepted legal practice of the day. We're not talking about illegal slavery. This was common in Roman society. But one group, one group of the room is, is hearing these words that Paul says, and they're saying, yeah, we own these people, and here's how they're supposed to treat me, and here's how I'm supposed to treat them. And the other group is saying, I'm supposed to treat my owners in this way. And here's the new humanity. Remember, we've been looking at the new humanity all, all this year, 2014. This is what it says, how the new humanity should function where there's tension in your, in your professional relationships. Here we go. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can slip up your hand and uh, Mark or someone, Manir, can uh, give you a Bible to just borrow for the day and then you can give it back at the end. So if you do need a Bible, just quick slip up your hand. Mark will get that to you. But we're going to read Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9 together. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So this, again, this is going to be one like fathers and children we were reading and mothers and children we were reading last week. It's the same instruction. Masters, treat your slaves the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So this was written, again, the law-abiding slave owners, legal slaves in the system. And if we were going to look at illegal slavery, that'd be a whole other topic, a whole other thing that we would need to look at. Because I don't know if you know today, there's still, there's 21 million people in slavery, according to the International Labor Organization, that we know of today. In child slaves alone, still in our, in our current world, there's over 5 million, 5.5 million slaves. And if we're going to look at that total different topic, we're going to respond very differently. But we're talking about how do we exist in a relationship where there's tension and where we know there's tension, and how are we to treat each other in terms of this new humanity? Because we've got the progression of this letter. We were in darkness, and then we moved into light because of the adoption that happened in our lives. And we've experienced the freedom in Christ, like Jeremy was talking about this morning. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate that later on today, that we have this new freedom. But this new freedom that they've been given as individuals... Now as slaves, they were feeling a complete violation of everything they had been learning. How is somebody who's treated improperly to respond to this reality that my owner is to be my brother and my brother is my slave? There's a need. We have a need anyway. Maybe there might not be a need, but we feel that we have a need for equality in our culture, don't we? We have a belief that, that God would be upset with any form of inequality. When, when he looks at people's finances and he would say, you know, if there's inequality in the world, God would be upset with that and he would want to speak to that right away. We have, many of us have this belief. 
And, and, and he would look at if there's, power, if there's a power difference and one group has all the power and another group doesn't have any power, then God would want to rectify that and say, no, we all have equal power. Same with respect. And you know what I notice in that passage that we read in Ephesians 6? Is that Paul doesn't say anything about changing the power in the system. Paul doesn't say anything about slaves, you need to be given power, and masters, you need to give power away. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't go there. He says, based on the unequal system, based on the inequalities in your income and in your freedom, here's how you're to treat one another. And I think, man, that's, that's, that's something we need to really get a hold of. That Sometimes this, this need for everybody to be equal in fairness, that's a human desire. That's not necessarily what God says we're going to experience on earth. And the trend in our society is that we become upset with an overbearing boss that may treat us poorly. Or the trend for bosses, if you're on that camp this morning, may be that you just need to get the most from your employees without having to give them extra freedom or extra salary. And so we regularly upgrade our job, or, we reg- or as a boss we would regularly upgrade our employees instead of saying, what are the principles in Scripture that I could just go to and I could walk over here if I just went over and I did my... I'm going to get my update. And if I updated my thinking and if I updated my practice, maybe I, didn't need, maybe I wouldn't have to upgrade my job or my boss or my employees all the time. Because in actuality, what God is concerned about is that we bring Christ-likeness to our work relationships, regardless if we're the slave or regardless if we're the master. He's not necessarily saying that in life we're all going to get the same things, the same benefits, but he is concerned that we all learn the same lessons about how to treat people regardless of our stance in life. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 21 and 22, it says, are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. If you get the chance to be free, take it. God's not saying he wants us in slavery. He's saying, take it. But then he says, remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you're now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you're now a slave of Christ. He's saying, we're all slaves to Christ anyway, and we're all free in Christ anyway. What we need to do is learn how to treat each other in this context. So we go back two weeks ago to Ephesians 5, and we underscored this whole passage. And what did it say? Submit to one another, right? And that's, remember, the underscoring context. Whether boss or whether employee, we're to submit to one another. Human instinct is to worry about our rights and be self-centered. And Christ's new life for us is to say, no, I need to think about everyone other than myself because that's what Christ would call me to do. As I honor Christ, I need to think, what would my employee want? What would my boss want? Don't think about self. Think about others. And that's how the principles in this passage begin to work as we download these updates into our work relationships. So the first one there is respect. Paul says that there are equal expectations on the way that we respect one another in verse 5 there. Everybody take a deep breath. Let's reread this verse 5 in our heads. It says, slaves, employee, when you feel like you're treated improperly, obey your earthly master with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. It's okay for someone else to be in charge of us. It's okay for someone else to have authority over our work life. And this has been a challenge for anyone, especially in Gen X down. You're born in the 70s, 80s, and on down. We struggle 
with remembering. This is me. I was, I, was born in, I was born in 1979, right towards the end of Gen X. And we struggle with, not, with feeling that our way has to be right all the time. And, not, and, and, and our opinion should always be valued. And our opinion should always be considered. And right here, Paul says, obey your earthly masters. That's that little word we didn't like from a few weeks ago when it came to our relationships, submit and obey to one another. That's the word that we had uh, Leah read out a few times for us last week, to obey your parents. It's the word we don't like there. The part that isn't there, remember, is earn. When, you're, when, you're employee, when your employer earns your respect, then obey. That. No, it just says obey. It's not something that needs to be earned. 1 Timothy 6.1 says this, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect. Not if they earn it. They should just consider them worthy of full respect. So that God's name and our teaching may not be slander. He's saying to Timothy, he's saying to the Ephesians, if you want to live in this new humanity, this new Christ life, you need to obey. You need to submit. That's a thought that doesn't always fly well with us. It's easy to respect somebody that works hard and gives us what we need and want, right? When, when our boss appears to be a hardworking boss that, that treats us well and gives us what we need, it's easy to respect that, isn't it? <laughs> but when our boss is lazy and doesn't treat us well, or when that person doesn't give us the job that we think we want, when they're difficult, when they take us for granted, we don't want to respect that. But a new, someone in the new humanity is expected to give that regardless of how we feel about our employer. That's what it says in 1 Peter 2.18. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but to those who are harsh. <laughs> Even the bad bosses give the respect. And it, it, it kind of feels like backwards thinking, doesn't it? Because how will that boss ever learn to be a good boss if we don't challenge them? Right? Like, how will that boss ever learn their lesson if their employees don't stand up to them and disrespect them? Okay, it's funny, but sometimes we think that way, right? We're not called to wait for our bosses to respect us before we give respect. And bosses, you're not called to wait until you're respected by your employees to give your employees respect. As a Christ follower, you're called to respect out of position. Remember the words of Jesus? He said, what credit is, it, credit is it to you when you treat those who treat, when you treat well those who treat you? He says, even the sinners do that. <laughs> even the sinners are, well, if I'm treated well, I'll treat them well. No, as, as a Christ follower, you're called to give respect for certain positions, regardless of how we feel about that. Man, that's tough teaching that Paul's saying this morning. That's not easy for us, because many of you are going to go tomorrow morning to a job, and you really don't like your boss, <laughs> Or you're really frustrated with your employees. And the word of the Lord says, show respect. Not only is there equal expectation on respect, but also there's an equal expectation on both boss and employee on integrity. Integrity is giving your best effort regardless of who is watching and regardless of the potential reward, right? It's just working hard because you should and because it's right. And that's what verses 6 and 7 say, that, that we would work not just to win their favor, but we do it because that's the will of God. And Paul appeals to our salvation. That's the reason why we would work hard. Let me ask you this. Is your output any different when your boss is away on vacation? 
<laughs> when nobody's there watching you, is your output any different? Or what about the last hour of, of, your, of your day? Is when, when you can see like it's coming to the end of the workday and you're like, I could probably just kind of slack off for the next 30 minutes. Why? Because it's not going to make a difference. I don't want to open a new file. I don't want to go start with a new client because it's going to push me past my workday. And I don't really want to. No one's really calculating. We know this, right? No one's calculating the last few minutes of our workday anyways for the most part. So why would, we do, why would we work hard towards the end or when nobody's watching us? Because these verses say, because that's what Christ called us to do. And there's equal expectation on our integrity. I chatted with a Christian worker who was processing this a few weeks ago. And, and they were saying, you wouldn't believe how harsh my boss is. There was an employee that came to me with like, they were having a real problem. And so that I, was, I, I took them off to the side and we just went off to this other, like they, I guess they had an employee room or something like that. And they were talking and she was able to help this person through one of their struggles in life. And through that time there, she was actually able to share her faith with this coworker in another room. And then she came back and lo and behold, her boss was upset with her because they had been gone for like an hour, missing, uh, didn't tell anybody. And she was like, can you believe how, how, how disrespectful my boss was to me? Like I was helping her through this tough situation in life and I got to share my faith with her. And I'm thinking, no, because <laughs> you, you weren't paid to be sharing your faith at that time in work. It's because you weren't paid to be helping your, employee, your fellow coworker at that time. If you felt it was that important, maybe go to the boss and give the respect to them and say, can we take some time off? Or maybe you can share your faith afterwards. But, but God's calling, Paul calls us here to integrity in all things in our work and doing our best because the way that we work should be the way that we would honor God. Again, this is tough teaching out of Ephesians here. Titus 2, verses 9 to 10 say, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything to try and please them, and not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. I wonder how many, how many people, how many bosses are turned off because Christian employees don't treat them the way that they want to be treated. And they think, if that boss was thinking, should, should I hire another Christian employee? Because the last Christian employee went off onto the room all the time and was sharing their faith and not doing the job that I had hired them to do. And here's, in Titus it says, that in every way, the way that we work should make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Part of honoring Christ is honoring the job that we are called to do. And we don't, we don't own other people's lack of faith. If they would walk away because of the way that we're working or the way that they view us, then we don't own that. That's everybody's individual response, and they need to consider the claim for Christ for themselves. But if someone, to were, make, if someone were to make a decision about Christianity based on my work ethic when I get to work, would I be comfortable with that? If they said, you know, I'm just going to watch you, Rick, as a Christian in your job, in what you do, and I want to watch the way you respect your authorities. Remember, we're going to Good Friday service in Mississauga, not here like we had planned to do, because uh, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> I love Pastor Doug. <laughs> I'm just teasing him. Hopefully he'll hear this part, and then he'll call me down to his office. So if he's listening to the recording, then I'll get called down. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if people were to judge what Christianity was about based on how I work and how I respect my bosses and how my integrity is in times of the way that I, I use my time, the way that I use my resources, would I be comfortable with that? Boy, I hope so. People think that the Old Testament was filled with harsh laws and harsh expectations. When we study the New Testament, Paul and the apostles, they are writing some really high expectations on us. Respect even when you're not respected. Work with integrity because the way that we do reflects the way that God is playing out in our lives. Look at what Solomon wrote about Proverbs in, um, in, about integrity in Proverbs 11.3. Integrity guides decent people, but hypocrisy, that's saying one thing and doing the other, right, leads treacherous people to ruin. Hypocrisy, saying that we honor God, but then maybe not having that kind of integrity. To say we love God means that we would never cheat our work, whether we're employee, whether we're employer. In the end, what I really feel this comes down to is attitude. As we were studying it, there's a third one, is that there's an equal expectation on our attitude. In verses 8 and 9, it calls us to serve wholeheartedly because we know the Lord will reward us. I mentioned it earlier, but God is more concerned that we learn the lessons of respect and integrity and attitude so much more than he's concerned if we get the job that we want right now. God is way more concerned that I live a life of integrity than I'm comfortable at work. And if, think about this, if we have the lifestyle and the job that we want, but we live in a way that's opposite to Christ, what's the point? What's the point of that? If we get the earthly thing we want, but we miss the lifestyle that God is trying to show us and reflect for us. I believe the words in scripture, what profit is it to a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And truthfully, living this way will not always get you ahead in life. I was listening to a podcast yesterday morning, Bob Goff. I don't know if you've ever read or heard Bob Goff, but he wrote this book. It's called Love Does. And, and Bob, was, uh, Bob was a lawyer, and he was, in, he was in San Diego, and he was in construction law. And there's all these buildings going up in San Diego, and there was always tons of business. And, and, and Bob just got... Christ got a hold of Bob's heart, and he realized he needed to start living differently. He needed to start taking extra time to invest in his family and traveling the world and, and, and serving and giving. And, and the interviewer was asking Bob, and they said, so Bob, how has that played out in your work life? And he says, well, truthfully, living this way has cost me a lot of money and cost me a lot of jobs. Like, if you, if, if you decide to start living for Christ wholeheartedly, you're going to miss out on a lot of good jobs and a lot of money. And then he laughed. <laughs> and he said, but it doesn't matter because I've got the life that God wanted for me, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, and you think about that. Do we want the job or the position or the right employee or do we want the life that Christ has asked for us? That's what I want. <laughs> so if, if my... If my boss never learns a lesson because I don't treat him with the disrespect that I feel he needs, that's okay. That's between him and God. I'm living the life that God called me to live. Proverbs eighteen twelve. No one is respected unless he's humble. And arrogant people are on their way to ruin. In the end, I do believe that righteous living benefits us. In our CLGs this week, we're going to study the lives of Joseph and the lives of Daniel. Think about, think about Joseph. Joseph goes from this arrogant favorite son. He was the favorite son out of, out, of, out of all the boys. And his arrogance leads to being sold into slavery. 
And he's in this leader's house as a servant, if you don't know the story. And he has this integrity because the wife wants to sleep with him. And he says, he says no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to disrespect you and my, and my master. I'm not going to do that. He has that integrity. And that integrity ends up sending him to jail because then he's falsely accused because she's so mad at him. His integrity sends him down. If he had less integrity, he could have continued to serve as this favored servant and he would have uh, had this relationship going on as well. In jail, he has the similar integrity happening. But that integrity leads him back to the king's palace. So the integrity that cost him in the short run benefits him in the long run. And like I said, you're going to study that in your small groups this week. The end point is that we don't get to question when we live the way that God expects us to. We don't have that benefit to say, Lord, now's the time that I should have integrity. Now's the time that I shouldn't because I don't feel like it or because this job. You don't know my boss. You don't know how bad they treat me. You don't know these employees, Lord. You don't know how much they're ripping off the company and how lazy they are. I can't respect them. And we go back to this letter and Paul is saying, this was written to slaves who were beaten and mistreated and not paid at all. And they said, just obey and just respect. What we do on earth has less importance than sometimes we think it does. <laughs> Our reward, as is in this passage, is the same. Regard, regardless of who we are on earth, our reward in heaven is the same if we carry out the life that God has called us to. If we live, with the, if we live a submitted life to Christ, allowing him to form us and shape us, our reward is the same regardless of how much, where we are on the line. <laughs> where, whether we're over here with Chantal, with making the six billion with uh, Timothy Cook, or, or whether we're over here and we're making not so much, the reward is all the same anyway. And here's the beautiful picture that ends off this discussion, is that in this society that Paul was writing to, where you had masters and where you had slaves, the masters started to get a hold of this principle. And you know what they would start to do? They would start to treat the slaves not as slaves, but as their own family. They gave them respect, and they had the proper attitude, and they, were, they had integrity with them. And all of a sudden, these slaves who were once maybe beaten were no longer beaten. And the slaves that once didn't have anything lived in their master's homes. And all, and all of a sudden, these slaves who were looking at their, at their, at their masters, they, they, now weren't, they now weren't trying to get away as soon as they could. They now weren't trying to um, get away with extra, of, of not doing the things that they were called to do. And they were living as part of the family. When the new humanity became evident in their lives and resonant, all of a sudden, it didn't matter who was master and who was slave. Everybody was living together, and everybody was living in community in that way. Once they downloaded that kind of information into their lives. This morning, we wanted to end on more of a high note. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Because Paul isn't giving us a reprimand here. Paul isn't looking at us and saying, Okay, church, you're blowing it. <laughs> Paul is saying... This is hard. You're not going to feel like doing this every day. But I'm calling you to something greater. I'm calling you to live differently. I'm calling you to download some, some principles from scriptures, some, some principles from God, so that you would live your work lives differently. Here's, here's why. 
because I want you to miss the trap that everybody else gets caught up into. In the Roman world, the slaves and masters hated each other. And the slaves were running away and the slaves were experiencing horrible life and the masters were always frustrated. And in our world today, people are frustrated. People, people don't want to go to work. People are frustrated with their employees. People are frustrated with their pay. They're frustrated with their job opportunities. And Paul goes, guys, if we would just have the right attitude towards each other, if we would respect each other regardless, if we live life of integrity and remembered that our reward is the same anyway, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> we get past that. And we say, God, I trust you for my finances and I trust you for my provision and I trust you with my future because you chose me and you adopted me and you love me and you're releasing me into this new life. And this morning, I thought, could we end on that song again where we sang, I'm free now forever because I'm free to love and I'm free to live and I have this new life. If you would accept that this morning, would you close your eyes and I want to pray over you and then we're going to sing this in response. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. And I thank you that you created them and you love them. God, and you've offered them this life. Not a life that's easy, but a life that has amazing re reward. And Holy Spirit, in, in the solemnness of this moment, we just ask, Lord, that we lay down our pride and we lay down our thoughts and we say, God, you do know my boss <laughs> and you've seen worse. And God, you do know my work situation, and you've seen worse. And Lord, you just want me to live with integrity. You just want me to live giving respect. You just want me to live having the right attitude. So this morning, I commit to do that. When it feels good and when it doesn't feel good. When I can see how you're working, and when I can't see how you're working, Lord. I'm going to trust you for my future. We thank you, God for your spirit. We thank you for your word that gives us life and changes the way we think. It changes the way that we live. Father, I pray that you give us the boldness and the courage to go out and be those people that you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus.